the challenge with these organizations, they often have strict regulations, budget constraints, and concerns about data privacy. However, what I'm seeing, though, is there is light there, too. And what I mean by light, I find that there's a growing openness to AI, especially when it's presented as a tool to enhance Mm -hmm. public services. Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sophion Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Glad you could join us again. I hope you're having a great week. My guest today is William Mulholland, and this is going to be fun because he's a senior AI product leader, and he's actually working at the AI Accelerator Institute, and I think there's going to be just a bunch of great topics we're going to get into today. So, William, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Paul. Excited to be here. Yeah. Where are you joining us from today? I'm joining from Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah. Pretty hot area for tech. Is that where you're originally from or how'd you get there? Yeah, you bet. Originally from Boston, Massachusetts. It's the Silicon Valley of the uh, the East Coast here. We have a great tech venture center out here in Boston. Some great AI and product management community members out here. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's start with that. What is an AI product manager in your view? Yeah, my journey into AI product management was a combination really of my background in computer science and business here in the state of Massachusetts and also in New South Wales, Australia. And I, Paul, I, I've always had this innate desire to create products that can truly make a difference. I started my career here in Boston working for Deloitte with a focus in technology and software companies, but I was always intrigued by the potential of AI. And when, when it comes to AI product management, what I found is staying current with AI technologies is an ongoing commitment. And product managers today can leverage AI to better understand their customers, better understand the analytics for their products, and better improve that iteration uh, in software development. Tell us about the AI Accelerator Institute. What's that organization about and how did you end up there? For me, I regularly read research papers, follow industry news, attend conferences and webinars, And I find networking with peers in this field is also invaluable. So, you know, at this time, the podcast, there's a peer that I'd like to express my gratitude for their outreach, support, and invitation. Mm -hmm. And that's Jordan Dunn, uh, the co-founder of the AI Accelerator Institute. He he recently reached out to me to join his team, speakers, and about 350 attendees at the AI Summit here in Boston last week. You know, I had the pleasure to engage and learn from AI industry leaders, such as Jan LeCun, who is the chief AI scientist at Meta, Julian Simone, who is the chief evangelist at Hugging Faced, Reid Hoffman, venture capitalist, and so many more insightful speakers there. Now, the AI Accelerator Institute, it's a global community. They also have other in-person conferences in Berlin. They've had one in Tel Aviv, too. Our our love and support goes out to Israel at this time. And we we also um, have... uh, another in-person conference in London. Mm -hmm. Now, we bring together a lot of these AI industry leaders to kind of provide their insights, share their concerns in the the industry, and really network with our AI community members. It's just amazing how fast 
AI is moving, how much interest there are. It's just a few years ago, conferences like this were not, they were attended. But now, I mean, if you do any presentation on AI, the room is packed. You and I were at the Product-Led Alliance Summit. That's how we kind of connected to each other in San Francisco last month. And you could just sense so many of the presentations that were discussing AI. It is such a hot topic. And as you said, William, it's moving so fast. How do you, what are you doing to try to keep up with all the technology and trends as they're changing so quick? It was a pleasure meeting you at the, the Product-Led Alliance conference. We have such a good product management community membership there too. From my perspective, Paul, I think it's really essential to maintain a culture of curiosity and adaptation, especially for our, our audience, chief product officers and business leaders within your organization to stay at the forefront of AI ad- advancements means that you need to tap into industry leaders, such as the ones that speak at these engagements, learn into uh, some of the research papers that they're publications, and then see how that fits within your organization. It's really important with just the speed of AI innovation that we're able to be curious, but adaptable at the same time. Yeah. The be curious thing is, it's interesting. I'm seeing a lot of I work with a lot of big companies, enterprise companies, and there was a a mad rush to start experimenting with it and then an equally mad rush to, I wouldn't say shut it down, but establish guidelines. In some cases, they did shut it down because they're really worried about IP getting outside the, the borders of the company. And until they have the, until they have that figured out, they actually have slowed down their work. Have you seen any of that in kind of your circles? I certainly have. Anyan Lukun, chief AI scientist at Meta, really kind of drove home the fact that in order to foster innovation in the AI space, we need to make sure that the, the AI that we're building is open and we have individuals on the the regulatory body side to understand that if more regulation comes in at the early stages, that might slow down a little bit of the innovation Mm -hmm. um, where we need to take these AI applications and make them more into reliable uh, systems. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you've got, like you said, you've got the, the standards bodies and there seem to be lining up or not lining up depending on which which countries or which part of the world you're looking at. But there are a lot of people saying, hey, look, we need some governance around this AI. We need to make sure we control it or we control maybe is the wrong word, but we manage it correctly, right? So you've got that kind of going on. And at the same time, you've got the big companies, as I said, from a security standpoint saying, how can we let it inside our company, let it inside our four walls without the risk of putting ourselves out of business because now all of a sudden our trade secrets are shared externally. So a lot of stuff going on there, isn't there? Absolutely. And that's what makes it exciting. Every day is a new day in the AI <laughs> product management community. And if you look at it too, one one kind of topic that I want to kind of drive home and a really good statement by Marilyn Nika, who just attended the TED AI talk in San Francisco She's an AI product manager, and she's leading the way with AI product management cohorts as well. And she she really kind of states that AI is not a product, and it truly right. isn't. It's a discipline, right? And for leaders or our listeners on this podcast here, 
I think really the alignment with business goals and AI is paramount for your organization to successfully implement and leverage AI technology. Now, that really starts with a deep understanding of your organization's strategic objectives. And these AI product strategies should be developed in close collaboration with these strategic objectives and your business leaders. I think that's excellent advice. I think that it's so easy to get swept up and carried away in the excitement of the technology and oh we can do this and we can do that and we can do this and lose sight of the business objectives and the strategies of the company so i think that's some really great advice william i think that uh, thanks for sharing that Um, absolutely and we want to ensure that the ai product directly contributes to your company's mission and the bottom line and that's really key to successful alignment yeah Um, Makes a lot of sense. You have a strong background in, in state and local governments. W- were you doing AI with them? I mean, are you still kind of engaged? And when I think about openness to AI, I think about jumping and, and experimenting and, and things like that. And then I hear about state and local governments. I mean, there's a huge need there, but are they moving with it? Give us share some perspective on it. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of want to start with my mission, right? And, and my mission is to use my product leadership technical background, and interpersonal finesse to really conquer challenging problems for not only AI-powered software development, but most importantly, our government spend analytics. And whether it's optimizing financial applications or operations, I really thrive on that innovation. And when it comes to, to really the government sector, from my experience, there are really three key problems that government agencies were looking for help to solve. That's One, to reduce the time and costs it takes for their teams to plan, build, and deliver government reports. Mm. Two, to produce government spending transparency to its hardworking taxpayers. And three, to promote a positive social impact within local government. So when we talk about government, there's a lot of challenges, right? From a government spending perspective, I'd like to share kind of three questions with the audience here. One, Have you ever wondered where your tax dollars go and and how they're spent by departments and government? Every day, right? (laughs) Two, what if our taxpayers had a free access to this data and what would taxpayers do with this data? Right. And three, what if we empowered government officials to use AI-powered tools to leverage this data set to better share the story of community and also promote positive social impact within government. Government has a lot of primary goals, right? But one secondary goal of a successful government agency should really be making it easier for citizens to better understand how their tax dollars were put to work. Do you take that message to the state level? Do you take that to the local level? I can imagine, just like in business, certain governmental organizations are going to move faster than others. Certain will have more vision than others. You're in, I don't know, you're in Massachusetts, which is obviously uh, very progressive from a, from a government standpoint as well. How do you engage with these leaders, these state leaders at these different levels, state and local government? You're spot on, Paul. If we look how there's similarities between government practices and large organizations, you typically look from a top-down approach, right? The individuals making the decisions at the top level then trickle down. Very similar with the government. If we start at that state level, typically that the decision-making and the policies and the practices will tr- trickle down to, to local governments and those communities there. 
From my experience, I've helped modernize the budget for several states, about eight different states in the U.S. I mean, we're talking over a thousand local governments across 48 states that I've been a part of, public university systems, special districts, and now public school districts. The challenge with these organizations, they often have strict regulations, budget constraints, and concerns about data privacy. However, what I'm seeing, though, is there is light there, too. And what I mean by light, I find that there's a growing openness to AI, especially when it's presented as a tool to enhance mm-hmm. public services, right? Okay. It makes a lot of sense. You you just linked it to the mission of a state or local government as a strategy and the mission. And I think that that would open doors, I can imagine, because you said you got to the why would a state or local government care? Why would this be helpful to them? Why would this, how would this help them be better at serving the public, which is what they're trying to do. So I, I like that approach. Yeah. Well said, Paul. And when we ask our, our question to, to how do we overcome these challenges, there's a couple doors we can use, right? It's really crucial for us to focus on building trust, ensuring transparency, and really demonstrating the tangible benefits of AI solutions. And engaging with our government officials and stakeholders to better understand their unique needs and concerns is really a key to success. Yeah. And there's so many use cases out there, right, for AI technology to, to be put into to government operations. Yeah. Do you, is there a couple that, right, like, of top of mind that you could share? Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about how government could leverage AI technology to better serve its citizens, there's three use cases that I'm happy to share with you and the rest of the audience. One use case, too, is policy draft generation with ChatGPT, mm-hmm. right? The problem to solve there is when creating policies, it often demands extensive research of other communities before drafting a policy that works for your community. Now, we're saying maybe the prompt isn't the output that you're going to use in the policy, but it's going to help develop that framework for these government working officials to then iterate on that and add their own tone and language to that policy. So that's one use case there. Another one would be citizen support with AI chatbots, right? The problem to solve is a lot of these local governments, the call and email volume directed to that local government, it increases the time and costs to provide support and answers to citizen submitted inquiries. And the, and the last one here is something we could even use for, for the podcast. It's really meeting minutes with AI transcript tools, yeah. right? Because yeah. the problem to solve there is secretaries have struggled to manually write or type meeting minutes in real time. And sometimes these government workers may spend extra time reading or listening to a transcript after a recorded meeting to ensure that they got all the notable points of that meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Three interesting use cases. Thanks for sharing them, William. Moving kind of beyond just the state and local governments and kind of some of your strategies and thoughts around AI in general, you know, a lot of people are thinking, a lot of software companies or digital companies that have digital products. So it might be a large uh, manufacturer who's got digital products. They're putting AI features and capabilities into the system. I know we're certainly doing that with our own applications that we sell. How would you suggest people ensure that the all these AI features and capabilities actually enhance the user experience rather than complicate it? That's a great question. And I kind of want to start with a quote from the CEO of Microsoft, Sadia Nadalia. He tells that 
every product of Microsoft will have some of the same AI capabilities to completely transform the product. Yeah. Now, recent innovations in AI we, that have been really ex- exciting. That one that stands out and, and primarily to the audience is, is OpenAI's GPT-4. These models have pushed the boundaries of natural language understanding and generation, and they really have the potential to revolutionize content gener- generation, cost some support, and so much more. Now, when we talk about the complexities, there's a lot of great that AI can do. But on the other end of it, too, there's some not so great things that AI can do. And for us to understand yeah. the complexities is really to understand the use case and how we're leveraging AI technology to solve that problem uh, within that use case. Yeah. I imagine that if Microsoft does things that are kind of consistent across its products and other companies do things that are, you kind of start to see patterns that will be one consumers will start to understand and and appreciate the value and expect it. That will help other companies kind of relate to what they may want to do as well. If it's uh well, one of the things that in Sophion we have, well, two strategies. One is that chat GPT four or things like it could foster creativity in a way that let's say you're, you've got a, an innovation challenge and you're trying to come up with potential things, ideas to tackle that challenge. It could recommend or it could you know, say, hey, look, here's some starter ideas, all of which could very quickly end up in a wastebasket. But it started people thinking and being creativity and finding their own potential ideas or building on some of the things they saw. And so that's, I think, a good example you were talking about of enhancing a user experience. The other one that I've heard a lot of, I heard at the product-led alliance, a lot of people talk about is when you're dealing with massive amounts of data, right? So maybe you're a product manager and you're trying to get insight into your product performance or things like that. And okay, you've got the historical metrics, but there's a whole bunch of other data there and using AI to just process and find trends or find things in that data that existing tools can't do. They'll never discover it because they're too structured or they're too, you could search like crazy, but who has the time to, to run the search after search where AI can just find the patterns. And so those are a couple of, of examples that I've been seeing. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on those or even more examples that you might want to share. Yeah, those are some fantastic examples, Paul. And, and we, when we look at organizations, what are some of the steps that they can do to kind of solve that complexity problem. And I I really think to start with, it's investing in building a strong foundation of data Mm -hmm. and talent, right? These uh, large language models are are, are really focusing on the data sets. And if we don't have quality data sets, we're not going to have quality outputs. You look at kind of the foundational model, it is a model times your input equals your output. So I think it's really important for organizations to have a strong foundation uh, of data and talent. But I think it's also you need to be prepared for a learning curve and the potential challenges. And the hottest topic is what empathize ethics, right? Transparency and user privacy, not Mm. reactively, but proactively. We should be starting at the beginning. And and the last kind of statement I want to kind of share about AI to, to organizations is Don't forget that AI is a journey, not a destination. You need to continuously learn, adapt, and iterate as you move forward. 
Yeah, that's fascinating. How do you approach it? What's your strategies and best practices to align your own AI strategy with your corporate goals? And I think that's, you mentioned it. I mean, if you don't have a reason for doing it, right, you, you just shouldn't do it. But if you think about what metrics or KPIs could product leaders establish to around AI specifically, we look a lot metrics on different product performance metrics, uh, customer success metrics, and revenues, and, and, and number of signups, lots of metrics that we're all following for products. But what about some AI metrics, and how might they be different than these traditional product metrics? You know, that's a great question, because as business leaders, we look at metrics as a pulse of our organization, right? right? And AI product metrics, they can differ from traditional ones. While traditional metrics like user engagement and revenue are still relevant, AI-specific metrics are essential. These might include such as model accuracy. Now, false positives, this is an outcome where the model incorrectly predicts the positive class. Like, for instance, the context of AI writing detection, a false positive kind of refers to incorrectly identifying a fully human written text as AI generated. So that's mm. kind of an example there. Yeah. The other end of it is false negatives, right? Because this is a type of error that occurs when a model incorrectly predicts that a sample belongs to the negative class when it actually belongs to the positive class. And this leads to a lot of model failures, which is typically something that we need to determine whether the system is reliable enough. Yeah. There's also that ethical and fairness metrics that are also crucial to ensure that AI doesn't exhibit bias, right? And success shouldn't be measured not only by the product's performance, but also by its ethical and societal impact. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Especially given that we don't know where it's going, right? There's just so many people looking at AI from the standpoint of those ethical and social societal aspects, right? So very important to keep an eye on that one for sure with these metrics. I, I like that. Anything else? I look at the, the path of AI as an unknown, right? We have a lot of the AI industry leaders being asked these questions. What can you predict the future of AI in six months, yeah. right? The short-term timeline right. versus yeah. long-term. Right. Now, as futurists, we, we can predict, but the way I kind of generalize it is AI is an unknown. It's very similar to the way I, our studies in neuroscience, as well as deep space exploration. There is a lot of unknown there. There's a lot of other factors that we'll be able to predict a little bit more of the future use case and applications of AI and how it develops over time. Yeah. But to provide an accurate long-term vision of what AI will do, it's a fun exercise, but is it practical? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. I had to give a presentation once on innovation in the year 2030. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I'm not sure I can give it a, a, a presentation on innovation in the year 2024, right? It's hard to look out into the future and especially with AI because what was it? Three years ago, two years ago, we, weren't, we wouldn't even have this conversation. So it's just amazing the speed. Is there anything like you've seen innovations or breakthroughs in AI that kind of you look at and say, oh, that's really cool. That's interesting. Kind of something that you think stands out. And then if so, how do you see that moving forward? Yeah. So going back to kind of the use case applications and how I feel where AI is powered now and the utilization of it, 
For anyone, any of the, our listeners to the podcast too, if you're having any vacations planned in the, the next few months or next year, I highly recommend you plug those into to, to OpenAI's ChatGPT. It's going to give wow. you a really good insights about your destination, some other maybe uh, cost-efficient ways of booking your travel, booking uh, your hotels and that uh, in that way. Now, if we look at more... On the other side of the of the research, where it's more on the, the government space or research or maybe healthcare, we, we find that AI systems aren't reliable enough to produce the outputs that generate the answers and the problems to solve in those yeah. use case applications. So the exciting news is you're going to find an impact if you use that use case for your vacation travel. If we're looking at the, the the specific genetic code to solve a lot of our diseases in healthcare, I think that's going to take over time. And it's going to mm-hmm. be really about focusing on the data sets and the people and the team that these business leaders put in place to solve those problems. Yeah. I like the advice you gave everybody. Uh, unfortunately, I just took my vacation. But the next one, <laughs> it's a great idea because the, 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 the typical search and then you read some what uh, people thought about something and, and reviews and stuff like that. It's an arduous process. And I, I did. I I almost embarrassed I didn't think about asking chat GPT for some help with that because that would have been rather insightful I think I probably missed something but the stakes on the medical side or those type of things the elusive cure for cancers that we've been looking for or reasons behind Alzheimer's and all these things I mean obviously people will try it what's your thoughts I mean is it ready for tackling those type of problems or are we years away from it any advice or thoughts that you could offer Yeah you know and for those listeners I, I just listened early this week to both Priscilla Chan and Mark Zuckerberg talking to Andrew Huberman on the Huberman Lab prod, uh, podcast Now what they're doing with the Chan's initiative Yes Right. I mean, some really interesting ways of their leveraging AI to help us better understand disease. And they recently launched a couple bio uh, hubs in Chicago and New York. And we're by, by found proud of the progress that team has made towards their their initiatives. Yeah. So watch this space, right? <laughs> oh, 100% yeah. agree. And yeah. Priscilla brought up this, this statement on the podcast where, where she always finds the most hope as a physician in new discoveries, new opportunities, and new ways of understanding how to keep people well. All of these come from basic science, and they're really mm-hmm. leveraging the basic science and leveraging AI-powered tools to produce advancements in the healthcare industry. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm going to be. It's going to be fun to watch how how the world's health changes because of the technology and how it can help. Well, William, it's been a fun conversation. You know, I, I wanted to conclude with one one final question. Hopefully it doesn't put you on the spot, but yeah. what advice would you give to organizations that are just starting to explore AI in their products or services? Yeah, absolutely. So, so my advice for organizations new to AI, it's to stay agile, adaptable, and informed as our AI systems landscapes evolve rapidly. There's nothing wrong with starting small, but thinking big. Begin with a clear problem you want AI to solve and ensure your alignment with your business objectives, as you said earlier, Paul. Yeah. That's really my advice for organizations as well as uh, people being introduced to, to AI. 
Yeah. I think that's really great. I think it's important that your organization, your leaders understand that that this is an agile type of thing. You know, we're going to test and learn. We're going to make failures. We're going to do things that aren't going to work and we're going to get better. And that's just how it's got to be. It it can't be pre-subscribed like maybe other types of research and innovation can be just because of the nature of what it is. So I think that's a great way to sum it up, William. Did we miss anything? If you reflect on our conversation, you say, hey, Paul, we should have talked about something. You step back. You think we hit the high points or was there something that you'd say, ah, Paul, we should cover this? There's a couple other statements and insights that I would have to welcome another conversation with you, Paul. Great. There's a couple things that I would like and that's going back to the point here is to express my gratitude for some of my peers. And one is Mo Ali, the CEO of Product Faculty. For the past year, Mo has invited me to join his Product Faculty Mastermind Series, where he invites chief product officers pr- to present and discuss their product leadership insights to our group. Such product leaders include Amit Foley, uh, VP of Product at Microsoft, Vivek Patel, former chief pro- product officer at Yelp. Jennifer Liu, uh, former senior direct, uh, product director at Google, and so many more. And lastly is, is I want to express my gratitude to Sahil Daruj at uh, Northeastern University. Now, he's invited me to, to join AI Tinkerers, which ah. is a global community of experts passionately working on AI-powered applications, pushing the boundaries of large language models and generative AI. And together... We want to collaborate to create a world-changing uh, solution, embrace exper- uh, experimentation, and foster an, an atmosphere of trust and innovation. And earlier this week, I presented at, the, uh, at our Boston AI group at the AI lab in Microsoft's New England Research and Development Center. So a lot of exciting things that we could talk on both avenues in a future discussion. Definitely would love to cover both of those. AI Tinkerers group sounds really fun. And what I like, William, is... By putting, talking about these people, thanking these people, that's really humble thing to do. And it fosters, I think, a community spirit. And I think that's my biggest takeaway from having talked to you both before we did this podcast and during this podcast is this sense of community, this sense of helping people working together is really strong and it's just admirable. And I thank you for taking time to uh, to express that those appreciation to all those great people that you mentioned happily to do it paul but it takes a village i yeah. you know, thank you for having me and i really hope this discussion inspires other leaders to harness the power of ai for positive change great great i'm going to take you up on your offer william of talking about the other two uh, so we'll have you back if you're willing <laughs> love that, love to would love great. to you and your audience All right. Well, thanks, William. And thanks, listeners. Great conversation. But it's a hot topic and we'll get William back in some other topics. There's so much more we can talk about this. Let me know. Drop me a line. Let me know what you think. And if you'd like to hear more of this type of content, we'll certainly pursue that way. I wish you all a great week ahead. Take care, everybody. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. 
If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com. 